Gold flirting with $1,800. Silver still trailing behind. Can't break through $18. The dollar's pulled back a bit. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about criminal corporations. We'll talk about criminal cops. We'll talk about Bubba Wallace and NASCAR. Some good, some not so good. And we'll talk COVID-19. Revenge of the COVID. I am Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, the rested, the intelligent, the witty, the insightful, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 76 of Bizarro World. Nick, how are you? I'm going to take more weeks off if gold keeps going up like this when I'm not watching. You know, it's funny. I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to text you, but I know you hate text, so I left you alone. How has the week been? How was your Father's Day? How is your family? I know you're spending some time. Uh, everything has been great. My parents are in town. Um, have spent some time with them. Took my dad fishing on Tuesday. We drifted down the Spokane River and caught some rainbow trout on fly rods. Um, it's good just to unplug for a bit. Sometimes you got to unplug to recharge and I hadn't seen them in a while. So Father's Day was good. We grilled some steaks and I've just been enjoying the time off. Uh, but obviously miss it. You know, I, I watched the market out of the corner of my eye. It's uh um, I don't know if it's a sickness, but it's something you gotta you gotta watch a little bit. How was how was your Father's Day, Gerardo? Father's Day was excellent. My wife still loves me. My kids still love me. They're all healthy. It was uh, it, it was a good time. We we made some food and had some drinks and listened to some music and got to hang out and um, it, it was fantastic. Thank you for asking and happy happy belated Father's Day to to all the fathers out there. Um, let's get right to it, Nick. We have a gold bull market by every metric, by 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 any standard, right? Whether it's deal flow, um, money that you're raising for companies for Nick's notebook, um, subscription sales for our newsletters, subscription sales for our publishing company, um, sponsors coming back on with Resource Stock Digest. Bottom line is we have a gold bull market. Um, there's still some companies that aren't acting like it, and there's an opportunity there. And I know we talked about that a bit last week, but you know, gold seems to be making a a, a base around the six seventeen fifty to seventeen sixty five level, which you know it, it it sounds like this was ages ago because of COVID and the lockdowns. But just three or four months ago, you know, we were excited about the fact that gold was making a base, you know, somewhere along the fifteen fifty level, and here we are flirting with 1800 and there's a lot of technicians and chartists a lot sm smarter than I that predict that once we we break through 1800 there's really nothing in the way of testing new all-time highs what are your thoughts there Nick I have the same exact thoughts I mm. think that um 1800 is a is a nice round number it's it's just a little bit um you know under 100 bucks away from those all-time highs that you speak of and uh, we're in the climate for it, not only from a, a, a technical standpoint on the chart, but um, with all the the response to the coronavirus, right? Every everything that we've we've known was going to drive this gold bull market is seemingly coming to a head, and so it has the uh, catalysts, it has the energy technically, and it um, is starting to get the retail interest, which maybe we'll talk about a little bit, but like you say, all the boxes are being checked and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm no chartist either, but, um, if I pull my chart back, my little chart that I, that I look here at gold, um, it's easy to see that, uh, when you look at the 2010 to, to 2012 timeframe, uh, um, Oh, what is the word? I, I'm gone for a week. I don't even remember. You got a cup here, right? And it's going to go through the, I mean, you're going to break through resistance from 2011 pretty easy, I think. And so um, it's knocking on the door. And then we have two years of not even thinking about thinking about raising rates, right? I mean, if, if, if that's not a tailwind, I don't know what is. Oh, that's it. Um, you know, uh, you got bankruptcies galore. You got unemployment. Uh, galore i saw you you tweeted something about you know very interesting that gold's going up while bankruptcies are going up right i mean the the all the ingredients in the recipe are there it's time to put this thing in the oven yeah you can actually if you chart unemployment here in the u.s and then you put up a chart of gold it looks identical right they kind of overlap oh yeah i mean and you know another 1.4 1.5 million this week well over 45 million cumulative now 47 million i think is the number and so um and not out of the woods by any means, right? I mean, an uptick in the 
uh, reported cases. I think yesterday was the the highest number of cases since this all began, right? Um, and then the last highest before that was in April. And so um, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of volatility. It's almost like it's, uh, I don't know, a fourth turning or something weird is going on. <laughs> Let's get into that, that, that part of it. The volatility has to pick up, folks, and everybody better get prepared for a couple of reasons. One, COVID-19 is absolutely um, kicking back up. It's flaring back up. It's, um, you know, we could say it's a combination of the protest and we could say it's a combination of people at the bar and people at the river and people at the lake. And I can tell you from my personal experience here just outside of Austin, my wife and I, every weekend we drive downtown, we stay in the car just to kind of observe, just to see what people are doing and how they're doing it. And you know, three weeks ago, we knew this spike was coming. I mean, there's, you know, there's hundreds of people floating down the river, nobody wearing a mask, um, the bars packed. We've had four bars shut down here in Austin um, for just not even, you know, disobeying the order to 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 maintain some form of a, of, of, of a population limit, of, of a capacity limit, just grossly abusing it and not caring. I mean, it was absolutely packed downtown, you know, and so it's not a coincidence here in Texas, um, in Houston, for example, and here's the part where I'm going to get angry a bit. In Houston, there's such a spike that there's children's wards now and children's hospitals that are being emptied out and they're refusing service to kids that need it because dumbass adults don't want to get their shit together and stay home. And and that's the part where, look, you know, you can politicize wearing a mask. I see all these idiots about, you know, talking about their liberty. And you know, it's now a right wing thing to not wear a mask for some right wingers, not all of them. And it's a left wing thing to wear a mask, not all of them. But it, this has been really politicized in part by the media, in part by social media and in part from the least smart people on both sides. I'm just going to put that out there. You can choose not to wear a mask, but if you're not going to wear a mask, please keep your ass at home if you're able to, because it has real world consequences when you don't. And that real world consequences, even if you don't get sick, other people are getting sick and it's now affecting kids. And I, I, that part really gets to me, Nick. Um, I, I, you know, I, we have a friend that just had a kid that, um, five, five-year-old kid and, and he had a foot infection, a bacterial infection. And luckily he was able to get in and out of the hospital before the most recent spike here in Austin. But in another week or two, they wouldn't have been able to see him. And again, it's one thing when we're all doing our part and we're being smart and, and, and taking precautions. It's another thing when we're being completely reckless. I'm not saying stay home. I'm not saying don't talk to anyone. I'm not saying don't go out. But there has to be a responsible approach to this because what we're doing right now is not working. Well, we're going to see. I mean, there's going to be uh, um, another government response. I mean, the, they can't sit idly by. I mean, it was the uh, the number of infections, right? The case rate that drove the lockdown policy the first time. And I think you're going to see some um, reverting back to that as these cases spike. A couple of points I wanted to make is there was a really good article in Bloomberg. I'll put a link up to, uh, it must've been last week, Thursday or, or Friday that um, really made sense of some of this data and the politicization because um, you're right. Um, you know, the mass thing has become political. Everything is is partisan. It's been tough to get good information. And this article sort of made some really good points. And one of the takeaways, at least for me, the biggest takeaway was um, uh, this gentleman compared California and Texas, right? Uh, total opposites on the political spectrum, right? Hardcore red state, hardcore blue state. Um, opposites in the way they handled the uh approach to coronavirus with extended lockdowns in California and businesses closed for longer versus opening back up in Texas sooner. And yet, um, very similar outcomes as far as uh, infection rate and deaths, et cetera. And so um, not only is it confusing because it's being politicized, but it's confusing because states have taken opposite approaches and had similar outcomes. And that's confusing. Um, and so I think that just points to how much we don't know about this uh, disease and the trajectory that the infections um, are going to take. And then the, the, the other thing about the masks is it's not just really right wing Gerardo that is opposing this. I was reading an article yesterday in uh, Forbes, I guess it was, 
um, where in Arizona, the government has left it up to uh, counties and towns to enact their own mandates, Arizona's Republican uh, governor. And in, uh, I think it's Maricopa County, where uh, Scottsdale is, the mayor chose to make masks required. And immediately, the some members of the city council in Scottsdale um, led a protest. Um, and this is really funny. Uh, funny, not funny, is one of the councilmen's was using the I can't breathe mantra because of the masks, right? Saying that, you know, like, and my body, my choice. And they led an anti-mask rally in Scottsdale, Arizona. I mean, like from the city council members, right? So um, totally Let, let's name that guy really quick. Nick. That guy's name, that okay. asshole's name is Guy Phillips. And, and if Guy Phillips or any of his constituents are listening, fuck you. It's crazy, right? Agreed. And, 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 and then just yeah. <laughs> no. And <laughs> last thing, anecdotally here in Washington is um, masks have been optional this whole time, but starting tomorrow, uh, Inslee has Governor Inslee has put uh, masks are now required starting tomorrow. So I'm definitely going back towards more mandates and, and more control and more lockdowns. I think. Yeah, and, and you know, I've been one of those people. I just had this, you know, this this discussion with with family members and extended family members. I do believe that you know, the counties should have discretion. I don't believe there should be government mandates from the state, um, you know, on, on what to do and what not to do. I do believe that private businesses should be allowed to make a decision as to how they are going to go ahead and, 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 and implement safety precautions. But it gets to a point where, you know, again, let me personalize this. Here in Texas, the 14-day average of cases is up 105%. If I'm playing devil's advocate, I say, well, yes, we're testing more, but we're only testing more. Testing is up around 40% during that exact right. same time frame. The positivity rate, which really should be called the infection rate, um, is at 10.42%. That's doubled over the past couple of weeks. Hospitalizations, which last week we talked about how important of a, of a metric that is, those have increased by 63% in the past two weeks. So again, while I absolutely believe that everybody should have the individual right to, 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 to act in a way that is responsible, when it starts affecting the collective in, in, in such a way that it puts other people that have zero to do with your personal decision in, har in harm's way, then, then we have to make a change and, and we're, we're like, we have to be sensible and we have to be reasonable. You know, Governor Abbott here in, 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 in Texas just announced that, you know, now they're suspending elective surgeries again because of how bad the surge has been in Texas over the past couple of weeks. He's also announced that he's going to, to stop, um, you know, the, the next phase of opening. And so we already have bars open. We already have restaurants open. We've had that for over a month. We're seeing the consequence of that. I agree with reopening. I thought it was a good idea. I think, however, that there, there, there should have been more of a stick to noncompliance because, again, it's not just the kids. It's not just the adults. It's just not right-wingers. It's not just left-wingers. It's a host of people that are just not taking the precautions that they need to take. And so um, all good, all fine and dandy until you start shutting down children's wards and children's hospitals and not giving them the care that they need, kids that are really sick that really do need the attention, the medical attention, because of your selfish decision and whatever it is that you believe, regardless of which side you're on. I told him, slow the testing. You got to slow the testing. Yeah, get into that, right? So we agree that once gold breaks through 1,800, we're likely to see new highs. I, I think that happens sooner rather than later. Um, it, it, it sounds like an odd uh, metaphor to use a coiled spring when we're sitting at 1764, but I think gold is a coiled spring, and I think we're in for a fun couple of years, everybody. Can't wait. All right, silver. Everybody knows how I feel about silver. I won't believe it until I see $20.50. I believe for all you gold-silver ratio people out there that, you know, the it's back at 100 to 1, if I'm not mistaken, uh, right around there. And so, yeah, give me 20.50 silver and then, you know, it'll be game on. And sure, a lot of the, the, the juniors and companies with silver exposure will be much higher by then, but there's still a lot of opportunity in the gold space. So that's where I choose to kind of um, you know, write my checks and, 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 and put my faith in right now. On that note, Nick, uh, you 
are the writer and manager and founder of what I believe is the best private placement newsletter in the business, Nick's Notebook. Can you share the story about the most recent financing that you offered to your subscribers and the demand? Because I think it speaks to the fact that we are now starting to see real money coming in the sector. Yeah, sure. So uh, there's a deal. Artemis Gold has bought the Blackwater asset. We might have mentioned it on the podcast last week, actually, because that news was out at that time. Uh, they bought it for $190 million, what Stephen Dean, who runs Artemis, calls a tier one asset, good economics at even $1,300 gold. And yeah, we did talk about it because we talked about Stephen Dean and knowing what he can do can certainly, um, you know, squeeze some more margin out of that. I'd have to uh, believe and expand it a bit. So anyway, they're buying it for $190 million and they're raising $175 million to pay for it, backstopped by... Uh, someone involved with the company. And so um, they're raising that money at $2.70 and the stock is trading up around three fifty. dollars And um, yeah, if this sector is about investing in people, Stephen Dean is someone I want to invest alongside and behind because of what he did uh, developing Moose River in Nova Scotia under the Atlantic gold banner. And then uh, selling that for several hundred million dollars. Someone told me I wrote billion in Outsider Club, so uh, I'll retract <laughs> that here in the podcast. That was there. Um, You're but, a man with and, vision, Nick. It's where you're headed. <laughs> <laughs> but so anyway, um, they're raising $175 million, and it seems like a deal that um, I would want to be a part of. And so I emailed Stephen Dean, and I said, hey, I'd like to be a part of this. Uh, could, you, could, could you offer me something to give to my group? And uh, out of 195, I requested a quarter million and out of 190, uh, $175 million, I got $150,000 um, to allocate for, for Nick's notebook. And so um, the deal is already full. No trouble raising the $175 million. Um, they told me they could have raised much more than that. So that's one anecdote. Um, but just from Nick's notebook alone, which... Um, in 2016, was able to, I think, generate maybe a million dollars in interest for a gold deal. Certainly hasn't been able to do that since the 2016 false start. In the last couple of deals, um, only one or two people were stepping up to write checks, ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a piece. So call it $30,000 raised in the past couple of ones, 30 to 50. Um, here we are just a couple of months later and a quality deal. Um, and I put it out to the same group and, and upwards of a million dollars in interest comes in, right. From just a, a handful of folks, about a dozen folks. And so, um, it, to me that says, you know, obviously the interest is, is picking up and I had subscribers write in to me and say as much, you know, I requested X and I was only allocated, uh, why things must really be picking up and you're already getting people starting to be a little butthurt. You know, I wanted my full allocation. Well, yeah, I wanted my full allocation too. Everybody did, right? That's what a, a bull market is. <laughs> I had a lot of directions I could have taken that. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it to myself for the time being. Um, and yet here we are. Look, Nike just reported earnings, right? We're recording this on Thursday this week. Um, you'll, you'll have it here on Monday as always, everybody. But you know, they, 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 they show a sales decline of 38% year over year. Um, the stock is down after hours. The margins are horrible. And and simultaneously, right, we're still flirting with new highs in the overall indices. And just for kicks, just for kicks, we've decided that as a country, the banking regulators are going to go ahead and ease the Volcker rule. They're going to ease the restrictions that were created after the last Great Recession, right? Because we're doing so well. So get this, FDIC officials will now allow banks to more easily make large investments into venture capital. The companies will also be able to avoid, avoid setting cash aside for derivatives trades because what could go wrong there, right? This could free up billions of dollars for the industry. Um, and hey, banks go higher. So a tale of two worlds, right? While the, 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 these regulations are being eased and, and banks are being backstopped and the Fed is buying everything, the administration reaches out and tells everyone that because things are going so great, the Feds will no longer financially support COVID testing sites as of the end of this month, which is within a week. So we can counterfeit money for banks. We can loosen up all the regulations. We can counterfeit money for everybody. 
but we can't counterfeit a little bit of money for some COVID-19 testing. And again, I just ask, where is the compassion in this country? Where are the priorities? Where is the leadership? It's, it's an abomination what is going on in this country right now. I'm going to keep ranting because if that doesn't upset you, here's one. Bayer will pay more than $10 billion to resolve thousands of lawsuits, right? Regarding claims that it's herbicide roundup caused cancer, which many people died. Many people died of cancer. Um, so they're going to pay $8.8 billion to $9.6 billion to settle existing lawsuits. And again, the kicker as always is they won't have to admit any admission of wrongdoing or liability. Same for Johnson & Johnson. This is all this week, everyone. I'm not making this up. Baby powder giant Johnson & Johnson has been ordered to pay $2.2 billion to 22 women with ovarian cancer. That's a reduction from the original $4.7 billion that a lower court awarded the woman in 2018. And guess what? Again, do not have to contain any admission of wrongdoing or liability. So there's money for everything, Nick. There's just not money for COVID testing. I'm aware. Or, you know, uh, to fix the homeless problem or to get kids quality lunches or whatever it is. And that's sort of the, the thing that I think people are awakening to, right? That this, whatever you want to call it, things we've been over a million times, Gerardo, corporatism, oligopoly, you know, pick your word, right? They're starting to see that the system has been, um, it's basically a criminal system that has been white labeled and white collared. I think that's a good word. I might use that again, um, you know, to seem like it's uh, the right thing to do and the thing that should be sought after, right? Um, when in reality, they've uh, done a great job at enriching a great few while the great many continue to suffer. And that's what this whole thing is about, this whole fourth turning, this whole Black Lives Matter, this whole uh, Me Too, this whole just sort of really uh, awakening and people getting more involved with causes uh, and movements and uh, elections as well. You see AOC won her seat again, despite the Wall Street money going to uh, defeat her. I saw another race in, in North Carolina, I think it was, where the Trump and Dorsey uh, was beaten by a much younger gentleman. I think he was in his 20s. And even in uh, Baltimore, where um, Sheila Dixon was just defeated by a, a much younger millennial gentleman. And so you're seeing this backlash to it. I think, you know, for a while it was um, kept well behind the curtain like the wizard, right? But 2008 dealt them a, a real blow. And They've never been able to to get away from that, right? To keep their system going, the the, the Fed has had to do more and more, et cetera. And now the veneer is wearing uh, very thin when, um, God, the hits just keep on coming, starting with senators dumping stocks on people before they told the country the virus was coming to uh, the corporations getting bailed out first before everyone got their $1,200 checks to <laughs> uh, the government not telling us where the money is even going to uh, for-profit companies getting bailouts without even asking for them. I mean, if that doesn't tell you what kind of system they've set up, uh, I'm not sure anything will. Um, you know, two institutions being actually changed now with things we've talked about for the past couple of weeks with police being held accountable and how I firmly believe that's going to spill over into into other institutions. I think people see it like this. Uh, Volcker News has been out just for a couple of hours when I sat down this afternoon and it just broke and I read through that and I was like, well, that's just perfect. And, <laughs> just the, the timing and the optics again, right? They don't care. They don't care. They don't. Yeah, it's incredible. That margin thing is incredible. I mean, that's sort of um, really what led to the last financial crisis, right? I mean, directly. Yeah, I mean, and they're taking away that margin requirement again. I haven't really dug into it, but it just slaps of no common sense. Let's talk about progress that is being made. You know, I, 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 there's an old saying that a wise man told me once. He said, never offer problems without offering a, a, a solution, right? You don't have the right to just complain if you're not offering some solutions or participating in the solutions. And let's talk about New York. There's a, 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 an officer in New York that has, is, is the first officer be in charge after using a chokehold that was banned earlier this month. Um, when Governor Andrew Cuomo um, signed a police reform bill that made it punishable, a felony, 
up to 15 years in prison um, for an officer to restrict someone's breathing by applying pressure to someone's windpipe. Um, and so it's called the Anti-Chokehold Act. It was signed on June the 12th. Um, it was named for Eric Gardner, of course, the gentleman that died in 2014 that was killed by five NYPD officers. Um, this is real progress. The, 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 the guy that, that, that was arrested was caught on video. You can see other officers um, tapping him on the shoulder, um, telling, them, telling him, signaling to him, let, you know, get, your, get your forearm off this kid's windpipe. Um, David Afanador, 39-year-old officer or former officer, David Afanador, now faces charges of strangulation and attempted strangulation. Um, that's real progress. And when we've talked about qualified immunity and why it's important to undo that, and we know the Supreme Court, we talked about this last week, just ruled against that. But the the the, the states have power and the cities have power and it's good to see that 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 authority um, being applied in a way that again just asks that we are all treated the same. If I do that to an officer, if a, a a rioter does that to an innocent man in a Macy's, I want that person arrested and charged. When an officer does it, and it's clearly an abuse of authority and force, I want the officer charged. Just equality. Just accountability, just justice. I don't know why some people have such a problem with that, but it's good to see the law actually being implemented because me being a bit skeptical when they passed it, I said, well, it'll be like many of the laws on the books for officers, right? They just will never use them. It's interesting to me that they actually have charged this gentleman. No, that's it. Progress is uh, being made. This is what change look like. looks like. And, you know, you're 100% right is... Why is it, you know, such a do people think it's such a stretch just to ask for justice and accountability from those that uh, you pay with your tax dollars to serve you? It's never uh, registered in my brain why that's why people are opposed to that. And they are, Gerardo, because, you know, just in my small little bubble world of, of Twitter, um, you know, I've lost dozens of followers in the past couple of weeks as I've been tweeting out these police <laughs> brutality videos and, and such. And so and I've had people message me as well. And so I'm not sure what it is, if it's a lizard brain thing, if it's a uh, uh, people like authority thing, if I'm not sure what it is. But anyway, uh, real progress uh, being made here and uh, holding uh, police accountable for sure. And again, you know, and I think some of that may be the demographic that that, that listens to you or listens to us. Um, you know, we're relatively we're well off, right, Nick? We're very fortunate in the sense to do as well as we do. And it's very easy if if listeners that that that, that are in a similar or, or in a better situation, a comfortable situation, even through a pandemic, for people to look after their own interests and say, you know, hey, you know, we can we just kind of keep things the way they are. You know, I I. I Police cater to me. They leave me alone. I don't want to see protests. I don't want any 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 problems with anything. Anything that upsets the apple cart, right? It's a little different when you're getting choked out by cops on a daily basis, right? That's it. That's it. And you know, we don't. I don't want to talk about this forever, but it's good to cut through the stuff, right? Like, I don't want to hear about statues. I don't want to hear about this and that. Like, I want to hear about real. Um, action and the, and the path forward. And, and that's a great example. Absolutely. I never thought I'd say this, but I'm so proud of NASCAR. <laughs> right? There, there, they, there was, good. They, they, they did a good job. Um, I, I am a bit skeptical. It's really interesting. We'll put a picture up um, of, of, of the noose. And then let, let me provide a bit of context for those of you that are not familiar. Um, there was a noose, including that, me, because I'm not 100% familiar with this story. My dad was mentioning something about it yesterday, but I haven't read about it yet. All right. So last week, a gentleman by the name of Bubba Wallace, who is the only black driver who races full time in NASCAR's top series, um, went back to his garage and on a Sunday afternoon noticed a noose hanging in his garage. Right. This comes after the banning of the Confederate flag at the raceway. NASCAR did that. Um, people did not like it. There were helicopters flying around with a Confederate banner. There were people outside of the grounds, you know, tailgating with Confederate banners. Um, 
you know, there's there's <laughs> there there's there's videos, you know, of of, of a woman yelling um, at, at someone that 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 was opposed to 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 the flag, um, saying, you know, I will make sure my kids know to hate your kids is what she was yelling at this person, which you know, real charmer, right? Anyhow, she must be a, she must be a North Carolina cop. We'll get to it. Yeah, we we will. We will. Um, and so Bubba Wallace, you know, he, he, he goes back to his, um, to his garage on a Sunday afternoon and he sees the news and you know what NASCAR and everyone involved, including the FBI, um, should be absolutely commended over the following days. Um, everyone involved with the race from, you know, crewmen, maintenance people, pit people, the racers, um, execs, they all walked with Wallace. It was one of the most beautiful scenes I've seen this year. And immediately NASCAR issued a statement saying there is no room for this. We will get to the bottom of this. Um, like this will not be tolerated. We do not stand for it. This is not what we want NASCAR to be. And it's not what it's going to be. Richard Petty, who is a legend, even, even myself, who am, you know, I, I am no NASCAR aficionado, right? I know who Richard Petty is. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, he, 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 he's a legend. There's no other way to put that. You know, he came out and he said, you know, I stand with Bubba. He hadn't been out in months. Um, he's older. He's got some medical conditions. He came out with a mask on and said, it's important that I'm here. I want everybody to know that this is bullshit. It won't stand. FBI gets involved. And on Wednesday, um, the FBI says that they don't believe the noose found in the garage stall was part of a hate crime targeted, um, towards Bubba Wallace. And so they did a, they, they did a pretty thorough investigation. Um, they, they identified what they said is that it was a pull rope that had been tied and they identified that this rope had been in that garage, I believe since late 2019. Now the part that I am, am, am still trying to sort through is that they did a sweep of 1,684 garage stalls, the FBI and NASCAR, at the 29 tracks where NASCAR races. They only found 11 pool ropes that had been tied, and there wasn't a one that was tied in the way that this one was tied. And I'll put a picture up, we'll put a link up, and people can make their own minds up. So, you know, this definitely wasn't a hoax. Um you know, by Bubba Wallace or his team. It was found, it was reported. NASCAR did all the right things. Um, The sport did all the right things. Um, The FBI in this case, so far, it seems they've done all the right things. I just have a hard time believing in coincidences. And again, this was the only one out of 1,684 garage stalls that was tied this way. And, you know, people can decide for themselves. I brought it up, not to put my tinfoil hat on. I brought it up to commend NASCAR, the people that were involved, the FBI for the thoroughness of the investigation thus far, and everybody that really stood up and said, look, we're not doing this. This is not what the sport is going to be about moving forward. And for those of you that thought we were catering to you before, we're not. That's done. It's over. Again, NASCAR ahead of the curve (laughs) <laughs> and while football, you know, Roger Goodell, the commissioner still can't say Colin Kaepernick's name, right? He can apologize, but he can't say his name. It's interesting, right? It's like how people can't say black lives matter and they go, well, no, but all lives matter. Well, of course they do. So then that means black lives matter, right? But then people won't, some people just can't say it. It's like it hurts them or something. It's really interesting. I don't know. It's a, it's a fascinating time to be alive. It really is. And yeah, kudos to NASCAR. I hadn't followed that story closely, but I did see Dale Earnhardt uh, Jr. lending his support as well. And so certainly combined with Richard Petty, some of the biggest names in the sport there. Absolutely. You want to talk North Carolina, Mr. Hodge? I know you do. I mean, what are you even going to say, right? And so, uh, you know, this has just happened when, when I woke up today, but apparently um, in an in a audit of... Um, recordings from Wilmington, North Carolina police cruisers. There was several um, cops making racist comments. I mean, um, things like, uh, and this is from just a couple of weeks ago, they were saying this, we're just going to go out there and start slaughtering them. And we're, I can't wait. God, I can't wait. And then they go on to, to describe a specific female that they should have shot in the head right on the spot. Um, and the other cop 
one cop says that how he should have shot her in the head right there on the spot and just moved on. And the other cop says, yeah, that's what I've been telling you. Um, and so, again, um, happening today, I'm not in the office and so I don't have all the details. But a couple of things I noticed right off the bat. Um, one, it seems like there's a new chief in town in this area. And so it would seem that the former chief was letting a whole lot slide. Um, mm. and, then, and then two would be, if this is like a random audit, right? And this is what you find. Um, how much does that speak about the culture of the, the Wilmington, North Carolina Police Department if you pull random segments of audio tape and you find such disgusting language as this? Um, and then third, um, you want to talk about solutions, right? Um, N- not yet. Were... Not yet. Oh, not yet. They haven't been fired yet? I thought they were fired. Well, 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 we'll talk about that part of it, but I want to make sure we get some of the quotes. The quotes are important, right? I, I, I want to make sure we get the exact quotes. The one was, we are just going to go out and start slaughtering them fucking N-words, right? Yep. The other one was, wipe them off the fucking map. The other one was here. Let me see if we have the other one. It, it, it continues. They talk about how um, we're going to wipe them off the fucking map. That'll put them back about four or five generations talking about protesters. And before we get to solutions, let's be clear. Like you mentioned, Nick, this was found only through an audit because it was it, the, 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 the officer's camera accidentally activated and, 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 and it popped up as an accidental activation. And so the, the, the department and the new chief investigated it and couldn't believe what they were hearing. Right. Um, so those were the exact quotes from the police officers. And again, it wasn't just limited to protesters. They're talking about other officers of color. Now we can talk solutions, Mr. Hodge. Well, it's just incredible. First of all, if you think that's isolated to the Wilmington Uh, North Carolina Police Department, I've got a bridge to sell you, right? And so the evidence just keeps on coming. If you haven't been paying attention to the videos, please do. The uh, frequency and the ferocity, the ferociousness um, of these these things that they're saying and doing, um, it's like an endless cascade of examples, right? And so that's what I mean. Uh, by the curtain being pulled back, not only on what the government and what the Fed does and and what I've essentially labeled their white collar crime, but how uh, these police uh, departments operate and what their mentality is. I mean, like you said, accidental recording. They didn't think there was a camera, right? This is like confessing to murder while you're taking a piss. You didn't know you were hot mic'd, right? Um, This is like what they say when when they think no one's listening. Um, and so it's a perfect window into why such reform is needed for uh, the, the institution of American policing. I'm looking at an article that says they were fired. It says three police officers have been fired after an internal audit. So I have to look after. They, they were. No, you are. And, and I'll, they, they and, and I'll put a link up. But what needs to happen is, well, let me start from the top. First of mm, all, um, all, mm-hmm. all these cops should be wearing body cameras activated. 100% of the time. Every time. Um, yeah, every time. I mean, they work for you. There's money. There's trillions to hand out everywhere else. I don't want to hear about the cost of the cameras and the storing of the footage. 100% of the time, right? You know, they talk about, I won't say the N-word, but, you know, the police are your servants, right? Let's flip the script. I, I was tweeting a little bit about this a couple of weeks ago about how the state was deserving of uh, spying on and not the citizens. And in this case, the police need oversight, right? They work for you. Um, They need to be recorded 100% of the time. There needs to be a national open database of uh, incidents like this, the names of the officers and and others that have been fired for uh, malconduct, whatever that is, racism, police brutality, using sexual assault, sexual whatever it is, national database uh, that can be accessed by the public so they can't go to work in another precinct because this is what's been going on, right? These guys in North Carolina We'll go two doors, two, two doors over to the next good old boy county and they'll get rehired. Uh, and that's what needs to end, right? The rooting out entirely of this culture. And so that's a great step to get there. They work for you. I don't want to hear about privacy. I don't want to hear about unions. We pay their salaries. They're beholden to us. 
Tell us who they are. Let us see it in real time and don't hire them again. And then we can weed out the bad ones so we can root and highlight the good ones, pay them and train them properly and celebrate officers in this country the way we celebrate firefighters, right? Absolutely. We're we're not anti all institution. We're not. No, we want fairness in the institutions. And, and, And we want the institutions to remember why they exist and how they exist. It's because of us. They're there, like you said, for us. It's, you know, it, it's always interesting to me whenever there's a, a, a questionable police shooting or a questionable use of force, um, the people that will always just defend that, you know, will always point if there was any kind of resistance, if, if he was fleeing. Um, it doesn't matter if you shoot a guy in the back four or five times and he was 20 feet away from you. Um, you know, they'll say, well, he had to comply. Is it a wonder that people would rather try to run away sometimes or, 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 or lie to the cops or just don't want to talk to the cops sometimes when, when, when you see how officers talk? I mean, you, I mean, we, we have to be realistic, everybody. And again, I can't wait for the day that we look at officers the way that we look at firefighters. Um, but we're not there yet. And, and, and until then, we're going to have to keep talking about it. And, and again, for everyone that puts the video up of, 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 you know, a black guy beating up a white guy, good, go arrest the black guy. But just when yeah. the cop does it, go arrest him too. I don't care what color he is. You know, the, the, the New York cop that was choking out that kid um, after it became illegal, I think he was an Hispanic cop. Fuck that guy. Arrest him, right. charge him, bring him to justice and put him in prison in general population just like they would anybody else. There has to be accountability. There has to be accountability. And that's all we're trying to get at for everybody, for you, for me, for everybody. Let's talk nice things. Go ahead. I think it's, I know, I think it's slowly coming. And um, just a little insight, I guess, before we move on, as I've told you, my brother-in-law is a police officer. I told you, I don't think he's um, necessarily one of the, one of the good ones. I've heard him talk about uh, roughing up homeless people behind Dunkin' Donuts. I asked him point blank one time when it comes time to load us on the train, are you going to stand up to your superiors? Or are you going to load us on the train? And he looked me in the eye and he said, I'm going to load you on the train. Um, and I said, fuck you. And that was at the dinner. That was at the family dinner table. <laughs> um, and so, um, you know, there's no, you there's no salsa. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no love lost. Um, and so now um, what is it, right? We're having this dialogue as a family, right? Because it, one of the first things I said to my parents when they when they came in last week was um, it was it was a gentle I told you so. Right. Like I told you this police thing was coming. I told you it was going to ferment into a national thing. And I told you Adam was a, a symptom. His name is Adam. Sorry. I, I told you he was a <laughs> symptom of it. Um, and what comes out immediately now, Adam is, you know, thinking about leaving the police force. It comes from. Uh, the leadership and it's like no 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 I've had these conversations with him right and then it the, then my you parents said you'd wanna, put me on the train <laughs> right exactly right right Gerardo you get it um, but you know he's gotta you know they have two kids it's his career he's gotta maintain for his family and I appreciate all that that doesn't mean you gotta rough up homeless people behind Dunkin Donuts and that doesn't mean that you gotta load me on the train and I never said you couldn't be a good husband and a good father and a shitty fucking cop. And you're probably rooting for him, being that he's family. Yeah, I mean, I exactly. <laughs> of course, it's not you're like rooting a... <laughs> for him. Of course, we're all rooting for the cops to not fucking abuse their authority and beat us up and stomp us out and charge us with false crimes. And then, of course, we're rooting for the good cops. Anybody that listens to this and writes in and says you guys are too hard on the officers, no, no, we're not hard on the good ones. We're hard on the corrupt ones because they need to go. hundred percent. And so, sorry, I knew you wanted to get to positive stories, but that's, I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. I mean, that's a, my family, that's my brother-in-law and how this is affecting and just some insight there I thought was valuable because it's a big, big issue. And a lot of people don't see all the sides of it. It's a big issue. You know, I grew up in Chicago. I spent my childhood there and, 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 you know, I've, I've, I've had my issues with police departments in the past as, as, both in Alaska uh, and in Chicago and in New York, frankly, um, you know, for, for, for various reasons. And, you know, I have a cousin, she's a police officer in Chicago, you know, and, and 
it's everybody knows somebody. Nobody is trying to, you know, when people talk about defunding the police, that 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 that's a way to 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 restructure it. It should be worded better, right? It should be. It's a bumper sticker. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a bumper sticker. It it really should be worded as a restructuring, restructure the police. Um, and there's ways to do that. There's ways that work. There's you know history shows us it's being done in many places. It's just a matter of will. And I think you're right, Nick. There does seem to be more will um and we're seeing it across the country a little bit at a time and i think that's something that will gain some momentum and that's why when i went to the protests here in spokane the past two weekends my sign said police reform now love it love it let's talk good news and this one made me smile nick have you heard about the artisanal miner in tanzania um I, you know, I guess now that you say it's in Tanzania, I have. Yeah. I didn't know what you were going to talk about, but I saw the Tanzanite sale, and that has to be what this is about. This is so good. This person, you know, found the two largest Tanzanite gemstones ever found. Ever found. The first one weighed in at 9.27 kilograms, the second, 5.103. Um, and so that led to a payday of. million, man. That is beautiful. Talk about mother nature coming through. It just, it put a smile on my face. I'll put a link up. You can read it. It's a brief article, but God, it's good to good, good, good to see some good stuff out there. Right. And if you want to relate it to markets, I was, things just stick in my brain sometimes, Gerardo. I don't know why. (laughs) When um, this whole COVID It's not being able to get them out that can be problematic, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, When this COVID was breaking out, I was reading articles about how it was affecting demand for gemstones, right? And you're well aware, I'm sure, that, you know, people aren't buying Mm -hmm. diamonds like they used to. And that industry is um, in some tumult, let's say, because they've always controlled the supply to... uh, Delegate prices, essentially. And anyway, people are buying diamonds, but they are buying uh, tanzanite and other like semi-precious gemstones mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. They cost less, um, et, et, et cetera. And so um, that's why tanzanite's price is, is on the up. And so just relating it back to markets there, people are buying more tanzanite. And if you uh, really want an insight into the, the the life of Nikaj, I bought my first girlfriend a Tanzanite ring because it was cheap, right? It was a cheaper stone than anything else. When you're like 15, 16 years old, got a little grass cutting money, right? You buy the Tanzanite. Wait, what's your wife getting now, Nick? Just to provide some context and contrast, right? Oh, she gets diamonds. She's not getting the Tanzanite anymore. Good stuff. Nick, I know you have family in town. I want to let you get back to that family. Um, I I hope everybody had a great Father's Day. I hope everybody has a great week. Is there any stock stuff that you want to talk before I let you go? Um, Only that, um, what did I mention? Mill Rock last year, I saw, or last week, I saw that ticked up a couple pennies. No results there. Um, Midas is the only thing I, I'd say you talk, you mentioned at the beginning, some stocks not starting to move yet. And we've, we've mentioned that in weeks past as well. And how subscribers are writing in, you know, I thought Midas was going to be one of the good ones. Here's gold pushing 1800 and Midas is going the wrong way. And, um, you know, unique factors apply to Midas to be sure with the, the permitting that's going on, but, you know, take the permitting out of it. Where else are you going to find 6 million plus ounces? Um, at the feasibility stage, economic in a good jurisdiction, and not just a good jurisdiction, but the United States of America. Um, and so uh, all that to say, you know, I was in the market buying, buying Midas today, a couple thousand more shares just to add to my holdings. I have um, no reservations about where Midas is going um, and the direction the chart is going to be headed as the uh, permitting cycle continues to play out. And so um, you know, not a new name, of course, but there it is. I think it's a steal. I will be buying more in the open market here over the next several weeks. Um, I want to highlight a company that we've actually, we, we, we didn't bash it. We just spoke factually about, and this is everybody, how you can be a newsletter writer, run a business that accepts sponsors for a fee and talk about a company honestly 
and have all of that kind of come full circle. And I think, you know, the company that I'm going to talk about is called New Placer Dome Gold Corp. And it's uh, formerly Barian Mining, I believe was the name. And this is a company that, you know, we know, we know the CEO, Max. Um, I, I, I like Max. We had issues. I had issues. I'll speak for myself. I had issues with the founder shares and the initial share structure. I was open. I am open about that. I'm honest about that. Um, I, I, I still thought it was generous, but I understand the risk that, you know, founders take. I just thought it was disproportionate. With all that said, they recently purchased the Kinsley Mountain Project from Liberty Gold. Kinsley Mountain is a project that Nevada Sunrise owns 20% of. I am extremely biased. Um, that property has done very well for me in the past through Nevada Sunrise. I own quite a bit of Nevada Sunrise. Um, but New Plaster Dome now is earning into 80% of that property. And they just announced a 20,000 meter drill program that will start in mid-July. That project has over 80% of it um, has not been explored. It has a ton of exploration upside. It's got a small resource, about half a million ounces, relatively high grade. Some of it's deep, some of it's shallow oxide, but tons of targets. And that, that, that project can be a company maker. They just brought on Alan Hitchborn, who's a former chief geologist at Plaster Dome, the, the, the original Plaster Dome, um, to the advisory board as a senior senior technical advisor. Um, I, I, I know for a fact that he's been to Kinsley. I know for a fact he feels um, strongly about the potential there. And I got to believe that if New Plaster Dome is able to duplicate the results from years past and add to those results and prove a new model, um, it might be a good speculation. It's got a market cap of about 34, 35 million. Again, I'm still not in love with the share structure, but in a gold bull market and with 20,000 meters um, of a fully funded drill program, a lot of catalysts there. So something for your list. If you want to take the other side of that, you could do it the way I've done it thus far, which is buy Nevada Sunrise. I, I wrote a check recently, as I've told you. I'm probably buying more in the open market over the next several weeks. Uh, I think it's a bargain with a market cap of just over $2 million right now. They've also been rolled back so that founder shares price isn't uh, what it was. And yeah, if they can, and they're clearly able to promote uh, and tell the story as well. So um, if they can do what they did with Bolo and have the reaction in the uh, share price, I can only imagine now that they got a real property. A lot to like there. A lot to like there. Nick, anything else you want to add? No, I think that's it. Um, I hope everyone has uh, a good week and is able to capitalize as best as possible on these uh, increasing metals prices we're seeing, not just in gold, but copper, which hasn't been mentioned yet in this episode, which we talked a little bit about last week, but continues to look okay. We're going to talk copper next week. We'll talk Cucho copper as well. It had some good news today that I want to highlight. Um, it's being slept on. We'll, we'll talk about it next week in more detail. I am Gerardo Del Real. Along with Mr. Nick Hodge, this was episode 76 of Bizarro World. Be safe, everybody. Be nice to each other. Wash your hands. Stay home if you can. See ya.